0: Hello and welcome to Everyone Everywhere, the evangelism podcast brought to you by Church Army. If you've ever been baffled by the big E-word evangelism, then this episode is for you. Join Hannah and myself as we talk about Lent, being salt and light, and we also hear from Annie O'Connor, who we consider to be one of our resident evangelism experts. Hey Hannah.
1: Hi Chris.
0: It's episode three, thanks for coming back.
1: Yeah, I'm back again, back in the studio. It's good to be in front of the mics. We were just having um, a little chat about the headphones and how maybe someone should invent like an Alice band headphone.
0: That wouldn't really work for me, but I think there's a market for that.
1: Mm -hmm, So
0: people don't have to put the band around the back of their head. They can just brush their hair back with it.
1: It's going to improve your hairstyle, not mess it up.
0: It's the sort of thing you could buy in a chemist as well as an electronics store.
1: And... If you were thinking this is a great idea, I hope that you take it forward, but put the dividends towards Church Army. Yeah. So today we're looking at the big E word. And whenever I say that, I always think it sounds like I'm talking about a swear word, which I think we should clarify, Chris, it's not the case, is it?
0: That is not the case. We're talking about evangelism. That's the E-word.
1: That is the E-word. And
0: I think we call it that. We actually have a series, a blog series going called The E-Word, and it just demystifies some of the things about evangelism. I think evangelism is quite a loaded word, isn't it? Mm,
1: Yeah, it sounds really big, I think. And so by calling it The E-Word, it somehow takes some of the power of its bigness out.
0: But I think also it's a word that has a lot of different connotations to a lot of different people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And we're coming up to Lent, and so we thought it'd be a good opportunity to tell you all about being salt and light.
0: Is it that time of year again?
1: It is. Are you ready for Lent?
0: Yes, yes, I've got big plans for Lent this year.
1: Excellent, I always find it creeps up, up on me.
0: I put a countdown on my phone this year so that it didn't creep up on me, because I, I never think about it until someone tells me on the first day, hey, what are you doing for Lent?
1: Yeah, because it's it's always a time where I'm like, oh yeah, I should be doing something. I should be preparing myself for Easter. Because
0: in terms of giving stuff up, you went pretty big last year, didn't you, Hannah?
1: Yeah, I did. I tried to give up as much plastic as I possibly could. Wow. Yeah, it was much harder than I imagined it to be. Like, I knew it was going to be big. But when I did it, uh, it was exhausting, to be honest. It just meant I had to reconsider everything I did. And particularly food, because... Some things are really easy to swap, but things like spinach, for example, you can't get that. So I had to rethink my walk home from work to go to the right shops. I had to rethink what I was going to cook. And it was just kind of this weight of reconsidering, I guess.
0: And I can imagine, along with considering all the things you have to give up, plastic so in everything that probably some stuff snuck up on you as well.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. It made me super hyper aware of all the plastic in the world. And I don't think I can unsee it now.
0: Are you doing it again this year?
1: No, I've tried to incorporate most of it into my life. I'm not being as hardcore. Yeah. Um, I think that for me wasn't sustainable, but yeah, trying to keep that trajectory going. So if you've got nothing planned for Lent, in fact, even if you do have something planned, we've got a really good opportunity for you guys.
0: Is it Being Salt and Light?
1: It is indeed. I
0: love Being Salt and Light.
1: Shall I tell people what it is? Yeah. So Being Salt and Light is a short email series that Church Army do over Lent. The basic idea of it is that it's there for people to be inspired and challenged to share their faith. Um, This year, we have got a whole bunch of Church Army people sharing their reflections about Verses in the Bible that inspire or inform their evangelism. I've actually been putting it together and I've realized there's so much juicy bits in their reflections that inform my faith as well. Seeing how other people do evangelism, I think is really helpful sometimes, but we don't just leave it there in these emails. Um, There's also challenges for people to take their learning into their own lives
0: I love the challenge part, especially going through Easter leading up to it. It's easy to read a bunch of devotionals and reflections and agree with them and kind of leave them there. Being Salt and Light throws some challenges your way that you can actually engage with during the week. And this year we're opening it up on Facebook as well. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So we've got a Facebook group specifically for people doing Being Salt and Light. And it's just going to be a place where we can talk to each other about the reflections about the challenges um, but also about the struggles we have in finding in, in sharing faith um, i think for me it's going to be something really cool that takes the reflections away from just being a whole bunch of people who each receive an email separately and make it more of a community mm.
0: and how do people sign up for that
1: all you have to do is go on to churcharmy.org forward slash bsl And that'll take you to the Church Army page where there's a little form. You sign up and then the emails will come straight into your inbox. In the first email, there'll be the invite to join the Facebook group. And it's as simple as that.
0: Awesome. Now, as we're talking about evangelism today, I thought it'd be good if you and I talked about our notions of evangelism and how maybe they've changed over the years. So Hannah, what do you understand by evangelism?
1: I definitely used to find evangelism a really tricky word. I know growing up, because I grew up in the church, I knew it was something I had to do. I knew it was something that Jesus told me to do. And I'd heard enough preachers telling me that I ought to share my faith, but I wasn't really sure how to do it. And it kind of panicked me quite a lot. I think I I use the phrase like I had evangelism guilt. And I thought that it was something I had to force myself to do, to be honest. It wasn't very natural to begin with. I think more recently, I've come to understand it as a word or as like an action, I guess, more. And for me, it's something to do with knowing how good God is, knowing the difference God makes in my life and the value of being part of a church community and realizing that other people need that too, that I would love to see the change God has made in my life, in other people's lives And I wouldn't say it was something I find easy to do, but it's something I really want to do.
0: And I think that's really interesting what you're saying, that it's not something that was maybe necessarily natural to you, but through one practice, it's just something that becomes more part of the way that you do things every day. But also the more that you know God, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more natural it becomes, because it's just natural to tell people about the things that you love. Um, I think for me, I've definitely changed what I think evangelism is since working for Church Army. And most of that's in the context of telling people what I do, because evangelism is such a huge part of what we do here. When I'm talking to friends who aren't Christians about what I do, I can't not talk about evangelism. If you can't not talk about evangelism, you can't not talk about Jesus.
1: And I guess it's even if you don't work for a Christian organization where it explicitly comes up. The hope is because when you're talking about who you are and your opinions in the world, that you, you, again, you can't avoid talking about Jesus because it's an integral part of who you are and Mm. how you see things. But I think the word evangelism, like we've been saying, is a confusing word. Yeah. So Chris, do you think you could define evangelism?
0: I think I know what it is and I know the context in which to use it just from growing up in the church and reading the Bible and talking to other Christians. If I was to define it, I think it'd mean something different to someone else. But I actually talked to Annie O'Connor yesterday. We had her in the studio and she is very much someone who has immersed herself in the world of evangelism. She's She's our training team leader. So she actually trains people to be evangelists along with her amazing team. And she had some very interesting things to say about the big E-word. So we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism in this episode. So you are Church Army's training leader, is that right?
2: Training team leader. You're the
0: training right. team leader. So before we get to that, I just want to take it like right back to the baseline and just talk about what evangelism is, because I think it's a word that a lot of us are very familiar with, particularly people who've grown up in church backgrounds, whether they could give a definition of it, they certainly Mm. know how to use it. And then for some, uh, if they're not Christians, May understand what it means, but also that may come with different weights of connotation. So, mm. what is evangelism, or and what particularly is an evangelist?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's a good question because I think um, depending on what kind of background we come from, what tradition, what you know, what we've learned, we might think, oh, it's definitely that, or it's definitely that. But what is it actually is quite interesting. So I went to the the Greek. I think that's quite a nice way to look at it. To think, like literally, what does the word mean? You know, first of all, so. Uh, it's from the Greek word euangelion, um, so it's this idea of good news, which I'm sure people probably know, you know uh, that the gospel is good news and that's where the word comes from. But yeah, in terms of what does that mean, um, it means something about bringing the good news to other people, uh, something about announcing the good news perhaps, maybe it has that connotation of using words rather than just um, good actions, if you like. Um, In terms of what an evangelist is then, it's very much like an angel. It's like this idea of bringing the good news, the message of God to the people. Um, That news of God's love, uh, the news of great joy, uh, glad tidings, if you like, that kind of thing. So I think it means all those kind of things. Um, I think it's come to mean different things in different churches. Um, But yeah, I would say it means good news, glad tidings, bringing the good news of God's people, that kind of thing.
0: And that's really interesting, like the idea that evangelism is more to do with using words particularly than actions. Mm. We you say there's any sort of difference between the idea of sharing your faith and then evangelism, or are they very much two ways of saying the same thing?
2: It's mm, an interesting question, because sometimes if I encounter groups or churches or people who are reluctant about the e-word, about evangelism, and might deliberately say sharing faith instead. And maybe I mean the same thing, actually, but I think it's kind of easier language uh, for them. But, yeah, you could also argue that actually sharing faith is something we're all called to do. Uh, We can do it in all sorts of ways. We might speak, we might act, we might show all sorts of different things. Whereas you could, of course, argue that uh, to be an evangelist is a specific calling, a particular calling just for uh, some people rather than for everyone. So I think you could argue that both ways. Yeah.
0: And so that, I suppose, is, has quite a lot to do with what you do as being on the training team for those mm. who have a specific calling to evangelism. Mm. So you all is the training team leader. So what exactly is that and, and why do we as Church Army need a training team?
2: Mm. So, yeah, I mean, one of the key things that Church Army does, of course, is to train and equip and commission evangelists uh, into the church. The Church of England admits people uh, into the office of evangelists. So the team that I'm part of, that I lead, uh, trains people. We call them evangelists in training. Uh, to be commissioned as church army evangelists. And that's a little bit similar to someone training for ordination. It's a similar kind of concept. You come, you study theology, you study the Bible, you study all sorts of different topics and things. You have to do assignments. Uh, And the idea is that uh, we're training people, equipping them, and they they get an accreditation, they get an award. The commission is the key award, but they also get a university award as well, like an Ordinand would or like a reader would do. Uh, so it's something that's very uh, well recognised in the church. But yeah, what we're doing is training evangelists. So we, we discern um, before people begin training with us that they are in fact already an evangelist. So we're looking for someone who already is doing the work of an evangelist, uh, out there meeting people into communities, spreading the good news, that kind of thing. And the idea is they are then an evangelist in training. So they're training to become a church army, commissioned evangelist. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: It does, and that's really interesting. So the guys who come on generally to train to be an evangelist, like they're already out there doing the things. Mm, they are. And I've noticed this, whenever people come in for, during their first year of training, if I get some time to interview them, one thing I'll always ask them is, so what makes you want to be an evangelist? And Mm. the thing that I hear sort of most commonly in the answers is that they didn't really realize always that they were an evangelist. They certainly Mm. might not have always called it that because it was just so normal Mm. for them to be doing that. They were just telling people about Jesus. They were just doing their thing. And it wasn't until someone said, hey, you're an evangelist or Mm. have you thought about training with Church Army to be an evangelist? So is it that some people, is it just part of their spiritual DNA or their personality that makes them just want to do this? Mm. And also for those who don't necessarily feel that or it's more something that they consciously have to do, like where exactly does that sit?
2: Mm. Yeah, I think if we look at Ephesians 4, I think it's the classic uh, text for looking at this kind of thing where there's a five-fold ministry. Uh, that's spoken of, so that evangelist is one of the specific callings. There's other callings as well: apostle, teacher, etc. So that there is that notion, at least in that particular letter uh, from Paul, that the evangelist is a particular calling. And perhaps we see that in the people that we train here. Yeah, maybe they haven't thought of themselves in that way before. Use that label, but they are people who perhaps have that particular calling there wanting to be out there they're you know inspired to speak to to show god's love and and for them it's not some kind of chore or job or task you know that they feel they should do it's you know the very essence of who they are it's something they kind of have to do they can't you know stop themselves from doing it and i suppose that's different to you know some other people uh, in the church or the Christians who maybe feel a little bit more unsure sometimes about sharing their faith and a little bit more perhaps like it is something they should do, but they struggle uh, sometimes to do it. Uh, I always think it's good, this this notion that we're all called to be a witness, um, but we're not necessarily all called to be an evangelist in the way that Ephesians 4 uh, understands that. But, yeah. but we do all have that sense of, in some way, sharing our faith with other people
0: so for the person who perhaps would be listening to this who has not always considered the idea that perhaps witnessing is also a core part of being a christian and they're listening and they're thinking oh my goodness i need to tell people about jesus but i don't, I don't know where to start mm. should i just should i just walk out the door and tell the first person i see on, <laughs> on the street what what would you say to them
2: I think an awful lot of the, um, the sort of studies of evangelism these days would point to the fact that friendship is an absolutely key component of it, uh, that things like hospitality and welcome are key components of it. So that what we're each trying to do as ordinary Christians in our daily life is just to think, who do I know? Um, who could I talk to? And not to try and force that conversation as something unnatural, but to, to allow it to naturally uh, come up. And I think if we are honest with the people that we know in our lives about our own faith and the importance of it to us, then there are opportunities to to talk with them uh, a little bit more, you know, from time to time. So I wouldn't think it's just grabbing the first person we see necessarily. But who are the people that I do talk to? Maybe I talk to about life. Uh, maybe I do have a good uh, friendship with them. And I could perhaps say something more or you know, in a natural way, share something of what faith has meant to me in my life. So I think that's that's a better way to do it than thinking it has to be everybody all the time that I'm always constantly uh, talking to Jesus about.
0: That's awesome. So if I have a friend or family member who knows that I'm a Christian and we just do life together very normally, maybe we work together or we see each other a lot and it feels like that sort of moment of opportunity to actually be evangelistic in nature or to start witnessing to them just has passed maybe a long time ago because it would seem weird a few years on to be like so i've never talked about this before but i gotta tell you this this stuff Mm. like do you have any thoughts on like where like how to introduce that now in a Mm. conversation
2: That's a good question um I wonder if it is, maybe just honestly, actually, uh, almost in the way that you just said it, just to sort of say to them, you know, there's something that I have sometimes wanted to share with you, but I've kind of backed away from doing it. I've like the confidence of, you know, not taking the opportunity. But it is something that from time to time I've thought, oh, I would like to. And would it be okay if I shared it with you now? You know, maybe just that kind of honest approach uh, so they know kind of what you're saying and why you're saying it
0: i think that's a key thing isn't it it's like for if you're not a completely natural at it it can seem like a daunting Mm. thing and then Mm. perhaps you start to think of different methods and ways you can do it and it's always easy to miss the fact that it can just be an open honest conversation it doesn't have to be a really big always strategic thing that you do but it can just be an honest conversation with a friend
2: Absolutely. And I think to, to be able to say to them, look, this is important in my life and maybe to be able to share, it's becoming more and more important, actually, as I journey in my own faith and my own discipleship. It really is something that that I feel I want to share with you because you're important to me and I want you to, to hear this good news, too. Um, but yeah, in that honest way, rather than with some kind of program or, you know, prescriptive way of doing it.
0: Yeah. And I imagine as people journey in their own faith with God, that desire will also grow as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because one of the questions um, you'd mentioned to me, you know, when I sort of said Mm -hmm. to you before the the podcast, or what might you ask? And you said, um, do I have to share my faith? Yeah. was one of the questions you put down. And I thought that's a very interesting way of phrasing it. And I think it's probably something that, can feel a bit guilt-inducing uh, for people in churches. Do I have to?
0: I thought there might be people who think that. Yeah,
2: exactly. People
0: exactly. who are definitely put off by the idea, like just the idea yeah. of sharing that part of their faith with someone is just so difficult. It's like, yeah. I'm doing all the other stuff as much as I can be, it's at least the stuff that's natural to me, but do I have to? Yeah,
2: do I have to? And I or, just,
0: can, or, can, or can I leave that to the professionals?
2: Yeah, 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 can the evangelists do that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do this. Yeah. And, I thought it was a really interesting way of phrasing the question because I think if we look at it in that way, then it probably does induce guilt and Mm -hmm. it probably does feel like a burden and a task and and all those things. But I thought if we can kind of look at it slightly differently and think, actually, I want to. And I think that comes from uh, a strong faith of our own, doesn't it? It comes from walking uh, with the Lord and discipleship and so forth so that it almost becomes something we, we almost feel like we're compelled to share because we can't not, um, because it's something so important to us that we want to tell the people we care about, uh, about this good news. So yeah, it's it's kind of flipping it from being something that's guilt-inducing to something that's actually Mm. life-giving,
0: yeah. That's awesome. Now you mentioned Ephesians as a good place to go to for reading about evangelism and sharing your faith in the Bible. Like, Where else might we turn to in scripture to look at this?
2: Mm. I was having a bit of a look at places in the Bible where the word euangelion is used, this word of good news. And it comes up quite a lot. Um, What's interesting, of course, is that first of all, when Jesus uh, first appears on the scene in his public ministry, uh, he immediately uses that that idea of good news. So he's announcing the good news uh, of God to the people. And of course, that's happening before Jesus has died and risen again. Uh, So when he talks about the good news, I think it it must mean something about God with us, God among us, Jesus as God come among us, and the the good news that he's bringing, the love, the joy, the the transformation that we can all have in God. So there's that sense uh, in Jesus of the good news. And then, of course, when the church after uh, Jesus has died and risen again, Talks about good news, that message of Jesus, of course, becomes part of it. So when Paul then uses the phrase uh, good news, euangelion, uh, to talk about his own preaching, it includes the idea uh, of Jesus, of Christ, of the death uh, and resurrection of Christ. It's also, I think, this notion of evangelism is also, of course, uh, in places where we're told to go and proclaim uh, the good news, where we're told to, to go and preach. Uh, and we're asked to to spread something of God's love and the message of God to the people around us. It's very interesting, though, when you look at some of those passages in the Bible because we might want to ask the question, to what extent is that for me? Do I have to go and preach and tell? Or was that a message to, say, Paul or Matthew or Luke or whoever whoever it might be? Um, So there are questions to ask about whether uh, we all a call to go and preach at all times uh, or not but certainly there seems to be that message in the bible that we should go and tell we should bring that news to other people uh, in whatever way we're able to in our own lives
0: that's great thanks okay so let's talk for a minute about the training team mm. so there can't be many other places that do what you do here right so this is a training team that trains evangelists, people who are called, who live and breathe evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I think, am I right in saying it's currently the only licensed way to become an evangelist?
2: Yeah. I mean, you can become within different dioceses, you can become a licensed lay evangelist for your, your parish, your diocese, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But this is the only um, way to have that kind of nationally accredited, recognised uh evangelist title, yeah.
0: So what does that look like from day one to receiving a commission as evangelist? What, what are these guys doing?
2: Um, I suppose it begins before the training team, actually. Um, it begins, well, obviously it begins in the own person's life, way before any of this. But in terms of contact with Church Army, it begins with the discernment process where, um There's a whole big process of discerning, is this person called to church army? Uh, Once they've come through that process and they've discerned and also people within church army have discerned that they are, then they begin training with us. Um, It begins with a process of understanding ourselves, uh, for the person to understand themselves as an evangelist, to understand their own strengths and weaknesses their own personality their own learning style all sorts of stuff about like who am i uh, and how can i understand myself better and also that will then help me to understand the people i minister to better uh, and help me to you know be more open i suppose as a person so there's a lot of things about self about understanding self Uh, there's things about uh, what we call theological reflection which is quite connected to that so the idea that we all have experiences in life, in ministry, um, and sometimes things are easy, sometimes things are harder. Having the space to actually reflect on some of those things is so valuable to think, okay, that situation happened and I dealt with it in this way. What might God have been saying in that? Uh, how might I look at that differently next time? You know, What might that have revealed about me, the way I reacted? So just having that chance to actually sit and reflect is very, very important in all ministry. So that's a big part of it as well. Uh, We look at things that are specifically about mission and evangelism. Obviously that's our core focus. So uh, lessons from the Bible, as we've been talking about, lessons from history as well, actually. How has the church done mission and evangelism over time? What can we learn from that? And leading to the present day, how should we be doing that now? So a lot of our focus is about contextual mission Um, each person that we train has their own context where they live and minister and work. And they come here for residential weekends, but they stay in their own context. So very much thinking, what does ministry look like in my context? Um, What does mission and evangelism look like for me? And we do things about the Bible, biblical studies, uh, how to interpret the Bible well, if you like, uh, and all sorts of other stuff besides, all sorts of stuff learning through church history, learning through the Bible, learning through theology, very much as well learning from each other, that the people in the room, all the evangelists in training are experts in their own place, their own field, and have a wealth of experience to to share with each other. So the weekends that we have are very much about them coming together, learning together, sharing together, listening to God together. Uh, so it's yeah, it's a great process. It's very Uh, it's very much a privilege to be able to be part of that process.
0: And that's really great. The idea of it being contextual. So it's not a theoretical learning that's then put into practice on a mission trip Mm. uh, on another side of the world. It's actually going back to where you are going to be talking about Jesus, bringing the good news, understanding the context that you're in and putting into practice right there.
2: Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the challenges we then have, of course, when we're teaching, is to think: okay, there are so many different contexts. How do we make it relevant and alive to the different people? Yeah.
0: Now, for the person who's listening to this, who's thinking, Annie, you've described me like, wow, this—I—I t- I do this naturally. This is just part of me. i, I when I'm talking to someone, I can't—I can't talk to someone without talking about Jesus. I mm-hmm. think this is for me. What should they do?
2: Well, I guess they should get in touch with us. Um, Do be in touch. The way the process works is that it is um, part of the Anglican church, what we're doing here. So uh, a person does need to be rooted uh, within the Anglican tradition. And what that means in terms of how they would kind of begin the process uh, of training with us is that it would need to come through their diocese. Um, So a person called a DDO in a diocese, the director of ordinance um, would provide a reference for them. So they, they need to be someone who is grounded in the Anglican church, is in a worshiping community within the Anglican church and is, is kind of known to the Anglican church where they are. And the process of applying then comes through uh, that church context, if you like. But in terms of a, an initial kind of inquiry, initial application, contacting the community team here.
0: Amazing. Well, Annie, that's about all we have time for today, but thank you so much for coming on, Uh, everyone everywhere. Thanks for demystifying evangelism (laughs) for us and telling us what you do here. And just, I really hope that people listening are just connecting with that, whether it's a supernatural thing for them to do. I don't mean supernatural, although I do. I mean, super is incredibly Mm. natural for them or whether they are just thinking... I just feel a nudge to tell people about Jesus. Just thanks for talking to us about that.
2: Thank you.
1: Annie really knows her stuff, doesn't she? Oh
0: my word, she does.
1: I love how she's able to explain evangelism really simply, because sometimes I think I get caught up and tied up in knots by trying to explain it, but I feel like she nailed it.
0: I feel like she demystified a lot of things that I didn't know about evangelism there. I think particularly the idea that if it's not something that's very natural to someone, it can actually be something that's almost guilt-inducing to someone just because of the, the weight of the word and how difficult, maybe in a British culture particularly, to just talk to people about personal things and how actually that can become, can go from being guilt-inducing to life-giving. And the way that that comes is mostly through relationship with God because when you continue with your relationship with God, it's just a natural thing that you want to start talking about that.
1: Mm, For sure. I think for me that resonates because... I know, well, for example, when I came to uni, I realized that it was an amazing opportunity to share Jesus with people. So I was like, oh my goodness, I really need to read my Bible properly and regularly because if I'm going to talk about Jesus, I need to know my Bible and I need to be connected with God. And I I think I always come back to that when I think, oh, it's a task, I have to do this evangelism thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, actually, no, that was the time where I was like, yeah, I just really want to share this. I better get my head in gear, get to know God better.
0: It's also super helpful as well, because if you're reading your Bible and talking to people about Jesus, people are also going to have questions.
1: Mm, definitely. I really like the bit you asked about how you talk to people who you've known for a long time and how you bring up faith there. I thought that was...
0: Yeah, because I think for me, that's definitely mostly the context in which I would be talking about my faith is with people who I am already in friendship with and have known for a long time. And I don't think anyone doesn't know I'm a Christian, but there are definitely people who I've never had that conversation with and maybe wouldn't even know how to start now.
1: Mm. And I think it's probably a lot to do with vulnerability, which mm. is something I think as humans, we find really hard. But learning to be vulnerable and honest, generally, I think, will help us talk about our faith.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think also, just from listening to Annie, there's so much more to unpack, isn't there? Just, it feels like that was just the start of a conversation.
1: Yeah, yeah so, so I, I guess, guess I just, just want to remind people um, about what we talked about at the start, start. being, being so and light. light. Um, yeah. And, and encourage you to sign up to, up to that, that, because... It is just to start this conversation and we'd really love to see you taking your faith and speaking about it to other people and getting it out there because it's made a difference in your life and you want others to know that. So head on over to churcharmy.org forward slash BSL.
0: And we'll put those details in the show notes for you after. But if you really want to dive in now, if there's more questions that you have about evangelism, if this was just the start of the conversation for you, then you can also head over to our blog where we've been running the E-Word series, where Annie, amongst some other contributors, talk about all things evangelism and might answer some of your questions there.
1: And also, if you're one of those people who, what Annie said, really resonated with you, you thought, that's me. Head on over to churcharmy.org forward slash vocations and you'll find out more about what it means to start looking at whether you want to train with church army. Start that conversation off um, and you can get in touch with us through there.
0: And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We're on all of those things. And we'll see you next time.